Praise the Lord. Man, it's good to be in God's house and to hear God's people singing. You know, Jesus Christ is truly the only one worthy of our praise. He's the only one worthy of it. And what a blessing it is to be in God's house. You know, uh, this morning we're going to be starting a new series um, talking about beholding his glory. Beholding his glory. And uh, we're going to be in John chapter 12, and so if you want to open your scripture up to John chapter 12, I know uh, God is doing a a great work, and uh, what a blessing it is to uh, (laughs) this uh, story about Mary uh, sitting at Jesus' feet. But, um, you know, I I love the fact that, that Jesus is the King of kings, that he is the Lord of lords. That he is the one who was dead and is now alive forevermore. And what a a blessing it is to have him as our savior, as our master, as our Lord. And uh, I know that, uh, you know, as we behold his glory uh, throughout this series, as we look at his glory, as we see his glory, uh, our lives will be transformed from the inside out. You know, John gives us a reason. I want to cover a couple of things real quick here and give you some background. John gives us his reason uh, for writing this gospel in John chapter 20, verse 31. It says, but these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that, he, and that believing you may have life in his name. It's in the name of Jesus that we have life. And uh, I, I love that. That's the reason that he wrote this gospel is so that we may know. And um, uh, the, the theme for this series comes from the, the, some of the sermons that, that John, uh, we have in John. Uh, and it uh, comes from John 1.14. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory Glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so kind of just looking at that, we we the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld, we saw his glory. Um, Take a look at his glory. You know, what would you do? What would your plans be if you knew you only had six days to live? If you only had six days left on this earth, what would you do? You'd most likely do and choose what is most important to you. So as we look at this, I want you, I want you to understand Jesus is doing one of the things that is very important to him. He chooses this. He says, I'm going to go over to my friends for dinner and fellowship with them. I'm going to go spend some time with some close friends and have a good supper and just fellowship and and hang out with them. He chose to spend his final week with those most dear to him and with his closest friends. And just a little bit of background in in the book of John. You know, in John's gospel, um, chapter 11 kind of is the hinge on, on everything that, that, that this gospel turns on, okay? And up to John 11, Jesus has been healing people. He's been performing miracles. He's been doing all kinds of things, and his, his street cred and his popularity, popularity keep going up and up and up. 
And people are beginning to follow him. And then in John chapter 11, (laughs) Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. What? He raised Lazarus from the dead. He'd been dead four days. Probably starting to smell. And he says those words, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. And he comes out of the tomb and he's bound. He, he can hardly walk. He's, he's kind of like we are. Can hardly walk. He's, we're in our glad rags, you know. We come into church, but we're dead. We're in the flesh. Oh, man. Everything hinges on this. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. That was the turning point where the chief priests and the Pharisees decided we got to kill this guy. Because everybody's starting to follow him. And that's where this gospel turns on that. We have before us one of the, the, one of scripture's most beautiful descriptions of love and devotion and worship. You know, Mary of Mary and Martha fame. We've all heard of Mary and Martha. Mary is the embodiment of self-sacrificing love. I mean, there are no indications that she ever paused to calculate the cost of her devotion to Christ. She worshiped him with a giving, loving, and sacrificing heart. But understand, this is not the first time that we will see Mary of Bethany at Jesus' feet. In fact, there are three accounts. There's three accounts of Mary being with Jesus, and every time she is at his feet. She is sitting at his feet. And, and, and uh, I, I want to point these out to you. The first time we see her sitting at Jesus' feet, she's listening to him as he is sharing the word of God. He's teaching it's in Luke chapter 10, verse 39. The second time we see Mary at Jesus' feet is in John 11, uh, verse 32, where Martha went to get Mary and she said, go see him, the, the master is here. So she went out there and she fell at his feet and she said, if you had been here earlier, you could have saved my brother. Here Jesus arrived at the home four days after their brother died. Lazarus and Martha ran out and she met Jesus at his arrival with a word of rebuke, informing them, him that he arrived too late. You're late, Jesus. He's already dead. You could have healed him. And that's when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Oh, that's huge. That is huge. So when Mary came to where Jesus was, she fell at his feet, and she spoke the same words that her sister Martha used, but probably in a different tone, (laughs) probably with a different attitude. So we're going to jump in here in in John chapter 12, and we're going to read down through verse 8. John 12, beginning in verse 1, if you follow along in your scripture, it says this. It says, Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover... He came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. 
Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was intending to betray him said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to poor people? Now he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief, and as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. And therefore Jesus said, let her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Lord Jesus, I pray that in this time, in our time together this morning, that you would be glorified. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would prepare our hearts. I ask that you would illuminate your word. And Father, that you would be glorified in this. Father, we love you and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You know, this time Mary is kneeling at his feet to worship and adore him and to express her love for him. And just as a little sidebar here, I want you to notice who is at this dinner, okay? First, you have have Mary and and Martha, obviously. Um, You have Jesus, who's at this dinner. You have also, according to a parallel passage in Matthew 26, you have his disciples there as well. And so they're all sitting there at this dinner, You also have Lazarus, the dead guy, who's now alive again and is kind of a celebrity. I mean, think about it. He's been called forth from the tomb. He's now alive. And I bet they were full of questions. Hey, man, what was it like? What happened? Tell me about your, 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 you know, death experience. What, what was that like? And I'm sure he was, he was waxing eloquent there at the table. But we, we have this beautiful picture of Mary, her devotion to Christ being expressed, then her devotion to Christ was criticized, and then her devotion to Christ was defended. And I think this is huge because when we read about this, we see this, that she was expressing Mary's devotion to Jesus was expressed. It was expressed and it was an extravagant expression. You know, John in verse three tells us then uh, that it was a very costly, costly perfume, very costly <laughs> or expensive. This is a true story. One night after work, I was sitting in Chili's across from my wife and we were sharing a meal together, kind of catching up on our day. We were seeing, I think somebody probably gave us a gift card for Chili's or something, but we were there. We were um, having supper. And, um, you know, as we went on and we were talking, I was, I was trying to um, let her know and express how much she meant to me. And, and it, it, was, it was a special time, and I, I could tell, you know, and, and, and I'm talking to her, and I was, I was saying, you know, how I felt about her. And I said, honey, you're, you're very. And I'm trying to find the right word, and the word that came out was expensive. (laughs) It's not what I was thinking. It's not what I meant to say. I meant to say precious. But what came out was, honey, you were very expensive. 
And she just kind of looked at me, squared her jaw a little bit, and she said, you might want to rephrase that. (laughs) What I was trying to say was precious. You were very precious to me. I I just really got to quit doing that. You know, I guess it's a senior moment or something. I don't know. Anyway, the word extravagant is defined as spending too much or wastefully, beyond what is reasonable, exaggerated or unreasonable, unreasonably high in price or cost, flamboyant, profusely or exaggeratedly decorated, decorative or showy. And it has the idea of going overboard, doing too much. Now, often the word extravagant has negative connotations. I mean, it's used in a bad way. And when people, we, when we see people that um, take the, the blessings they've been given by the Lord and they, they squander them on themselves, it, it's a bad thing. However, when a person expresses their love and their worship for Jesus Christ in an extravagant manner, there is nothing negative about that. They're giving Mary a bad time. But you know what? Mary is overjoyed because her brother who was dead is now sitting at the table. There is no cost too great. She's wanting to lavish it upon Jesus. She's wanting it to be extravagant. After all, he is worthy of everything that we could possibly give him. Because all that we have, all that we have comes from him anyway. There is no gift that is excessive, no expression of love is over the top, and no form of worship should ever be considered too extravagant for Jesus. You think about it. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. You know, verse 5 points out that the market value of the perfume was 300 denarii. The oil of nard is a a liquid perfume. It was a pure product um, produced from a rare plant that grew in India. It was hard to acquire and it was very expensive. And people would have saved for many years just to be able to provide enough of this ointment, this oil for their own funeral. And the cutting criticism of Judas gives some insight into the value of of Mary's perfume. You know, in biblical times, a working man would earn about a denarii a day. And so 300 denarii would be kind of similar to a, a year's wages. An annual salary is how much she poured out on him. I mean, think about that. Think about it. That's a lot. But true worship never counts the cost. She poured out this expensive, costly perfume because of her great love for him. And notice it was a fragrant expression. Again, in this verse, we're reminded that the fragrance filled the entire house. (laughs) Everyone there 
was made part of the experience. Everyone there, uh, there was no denying that, that Mary was giving her all to honor Jesus. And even those who criticized her could enjoy the fragrance of her sacrifice for the Lord. And it probably wasn't long before the fragrance drifted outside so that those outside the house could smell it as well. The sweet fragrance of authentic worship filled the house And when people left the home of Mary and Martha that day, there is no doubt they carried with them the fragrance of Mary's perfume, the fragrance of her worship. See, when the Lord is worshiped by his people in spirit and in truth, it'll be hard to keep that quiet. The fragrance of our worship fills this house and it it follows us out into our world. And listen, it honors the Lord when his people express their love for Jesus in extravagant worship. We should consider no gift too excessive, no sacrifice too great. We should praise God for with every opportunity to give him all that we have in worship and in humble service. See, by her selfless act of love and worship, Mary was making a tremendous statement. I wonder what kind of statement my worship makes. I wonder what kind of statement your worship makes about who Jesus is and who we believe him to be. Because hers makes a huge statement, a tremendous statement about who she believed Jesus Christ to be. I mean, there's four classes of people who were anointed in those days. The first one was kings. When they came and and they anointed them to be king. The second one was priests. They would come and anoint the priests. The third one was prophets. And the last one was the dead. They anointed the dead. And you see, I believe that by her act of worship, Mary was acknowledging Jesus to be all of these things to her heart. Because truly, Jesus is all of those things. He is the King of Kings. Revelations, Revelation 19, 16 says that. He's the great high priest in Hebrews 3. He's the prophet in Matthew 13. And Revelation 1, 18 says he, is, he was dead but is alive forevermore. He was all of these things. And this is what Mary believed about Jesus. And she demonstrated her surrender to him in all those things by her act of love and worship. You know, some people just can't leave it alone. You have Judas. Mary's devotion to Jesus was criticized. In verse four through six, have you you ever noticed that criticism... (laughs) often reveals more about the one doing the criticizing than it does about the one being criticized. This certainly was true in this passage. I mean, Judas's remarks reveal a whole lot about him because Judas's concern for the poor is disputed. He did not say this because he cared about the poor. I love this because F.B. Meyer, he points out the differences between Mary and Judas. What a contrast between Judas's face and Mary's face. Hers was open and, and pure, tender. 
now and again maybe flushed with an exquisite glow from her soul inside. His was dark and hard and forbidding. And just like sunshine draws forth the, the foul murkiness of the pool, so does this act of Mary excite Judas's angriest feelings of hatred. Although he tried to disguise it as if he was soliciting for the poor. But Judas was finding it more and more difficult to mask his hypocrisy. Very soon the mask would be off and he would be seen for who he truly is. See, those who are going to be the followers, the true followers of Jesus Christ, must know him personally. We must know him personally and we must love him with all of our heart and all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. And we need to serve him sacrificially. That means it's going to cost us something. See, Judas never truly beheld the glory of Christ. He never truly beheld his glory. And his character is revealed here. Judas is in the presence of the only one who can take away and save him from his sin and deliver his soul from hell. He's in the presence of that one. But what is he doing? He's not worshiping. He's not pouring out his love and affection. He's complaining. He's finding fault instead of worshiping. Oh, man, we need to hear this. In fact, all of the eyes had been on Jesus until Judas opened his mouth and started spewing forth criticism. Now, some people probably ought to think about that a little bit. I mean, what Judas was really saying is, why was this money wasted on Jesus when it could have been spent on me? I mean, that's what he's thinking. I mean, sometimes when things happen in the presence of others, we think it may be odd or maybe it's over the top. Somebody may give voice to it. In Matthew 26, verse 8, it shows Judas was not alone in the objection. Others seem to have felt that way, that, that Judas maybe made some sense here. Some of the other disciples. And every once in a while, one person gives voice to what others in the room tend to be thinking. But really and truly, because of what he said, we recognize that Judas was a thief at heart. I mean, the word thief comes from the word kleptus, from we get our English word kleptomaniac, someone who steals. His character is exposed. He had no real concern for the worship of Almighty God. He had no real concern for the kingdom of God or for the salvation of souls. Judas had one concern, and that was himself. That's why Jesus says, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. <laughs> See, Mary's worship of Christ was a mirror in which Judas saw himself, and it made him angry. But notice how Jesus defends Mary's devotion. Verse seven and eight. He says, leave her alone, let it alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. 
You know, when someone that you love, when someone that you love has passed away, it would be so rude for someone to object loudly to the cost of the funeral expenses at the service. Talk about, you know, social awkwardness. In the same way, it was inappropriate for Judas or anyone else to put a price on Mary's love and devotion to Jesus while he was still alive. I mean, sometimes people spend large amounts of money on the funeral of their loved ones. I get it. You know, um, the funeral business is a business. But at the same time, when they're spending money on burying their loved one, it doesn't seem inappropriate. It doesn't seem extravagant. It doesn't seem over the top. It doesn't seem like too much is too much when it's your loved one. But it follows then, why should anyone object if the funeral expense amount was bestowed on the person while they were still alive and able to appreciate the love which prompted the action? See, no doubt this was a soothing word when Jesus said, leave her alone. After being cut to the heart with the words of Judas and his attitude. And Jesus defines Mary's actions. Jesus gives us a glimpse into the heart of Mary. He lets us know that she fully understood what he said about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. All of that had registered in her spirit. She understood that what was about to happen to Jesus, and it seems like she's the only one that actually gets it. John Phillips gives us insight into her heart. See, Mary of Bethany, Mary of Bethany seems to have been the only one who believed the truth of the resurrection. You won't find her at the cross or at the tomb later. Nor was it her being a coward or her deep despair that kept her away. See, you'll find Mary, several Marys here, you'll find Mary, Jesus' mother, at the cross. You'll find Mary Magdalene at the tomb. You'll find Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, at the cross and at the tomb. But not Mary of Bethany. She didn't have the slightest need for either one of those places because she was already standing on resurrection ground. She saw her brother raised from the dead. She was an eyewitness to that. She had no doubt that if Jesus said, I'm coming back, that he's coming back. She was already standing on resurrection ground. You know, this morning as our worship team comes back up here and and leads us in a couple more uh, worship songs this morning, I want you to understand something. Jesus brings life. Jesus makes dead things alive again. He brings people that are dead back to life. He said in in John 11, he said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. 
his words. And folks, I guarantee you, he can back them up. You know, James 2, the book of James, James 2 talks and tells us that faith without works is dead. Folks, I have seen dead faith. You've seen dead faith. You've seen faith that stinks. You see faith that is a dead faith. Folks, I want a living faith. I want a perfumed faith. I want a faith that smells good. I want a faith that helps others. I want a faith that changes my world. I want a faith that cares for, that feeds, that shares resources, that helps. An intentional, active, dynamic, calculated, conscious, deliberate, purposeful faith. But you see, Mary had found a deep and abiding personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Mary knew Jesus as her personal savior. So we see her sitting at his feet, beholding his glory. Just enamored by it, just, just, just wanting to worship him because she knew. She knew. I say this morning, may we also find our place there. For he is worthy of our worship. Lord Jesus, I ask that our hearts would be a Bethany place for you, a quiet place of friendship, not a place of chaos, but a quiet place of friendship where you are the honored guest. May we respond to you not with the carefulness of the disciples, but Father, may we respond to you with the extravagance of Mary. As we continue in a time of prayer, just with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, I just want to ask a couple of questions. Has your life been broken and poured out for Jesus? Because this morning I'm asking you to respond to him in faith. Respond to him as your Savior and Lord. Is your worship being poured out at the feet of Jesus with nothing in reserve for you? Giving it all to him. Maybe respond to him in, in obedience to what he's calling and asking you to do. See, no life is ever wasted that is in the hands of the master. So I ask, is there more room for more sacrifice? Is there any room for more love? Is there any room for more service? I encourage you to respond to him with a deeper commitment, to sit at his feet. Can you tell Jesus, from the very core of your heart, 
from your inner being, can you tell Jesus, I am here for you. I worship you. You are more than enough. I just want you, Jesus. You know, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And you are free this morning to respond to the Lord. And as he moves you, you move.